podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Watch out now. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by... Jeremy Nicholas Phoenix. Let's go! The Raspy Voice Kids are in the building. You are now tuned into the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. We are the RVK. This is pop culture, so I'm going to hit you with the pop culture. With that pop, 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 pop. And once again, it is time for Am I the Apple? This one comes from Reddit. Ada, for humiliating my aunt in front of our family and a nurse. My grandpa recently suffered a stroke and is staying in the hospital. I, 18-year-old male, was visiting him in his room along with some family, including my aunt and her two kids, who had been taken to have tests done that would take, sorry, he had been taken to have tests done that would take a while, so my aunt suggested that we all go out to lunch in the meantime. At that point, a nurse had come in to put on fresh bedding. My aunt started looking through my grandpa's belongings to find his wallet and goes, we can use Papa's money to buy our lunch. He would love that for all us, for us all being here. Note, this aunt is literally one of the stingiest people I know, despite being extremely well off. She's the type of person to go to the bathroom when she sees the waiter coming with the bill. Obviously, I was angry that she would suggest using his money or think anyone else would go along with that. So I spoke up loudly and asked her, Can't you afford to spare some of your husband's money to buy your own lunch? Or are things that bad? She shot daggers at me and then looked embarrassed the rest of the time we were there. After we left, my dad texted her the location of where we were eating lunch. And she texted back that she and her kids were going somewhere else. She also texted my dad today to ask what time we were visiting my grandpa. And I'm pretty sure purposely went another time. Was I the apple? Jeremy, how do you feel? Oh, man. Oh, man. I didn't finish reading all of it. I just got to the point where I had made my decision and I didn't finish it. And I'm glad that you finished it because the truth is, I think he was. I think he was. Now, she was, too. Let me just say that she was, too. My my first initial thought was, I have have you lost your mind? You will take this man's money while he's having tests done and say, oh, he would wanted it that way. Come on now, big Stinjo. Don't you, you make me feel like you showed up just to get a free meal, just to get a free mu- lunch because you yeah. knew that w- w- is what was going to happen. But then but then you continued on. I don't think he was wrong for speaking up. I love the fact that he spoke up because there's so many people who do not have the fortitude to speak up. They'll speak behind your back. They'll say slide things behind your back and be disgusted behind your back. But they gonna say nothing in the moment. And my boy, he stepped up and he said something. The problem is, is that. Uh, what he it's not I don't want to say how he said it but it's what he said yeah Check her, like, yes but when you said don't you have some of your husband's money now 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 you're now you're uh, making slams calling it her husband's money not only is it disrespectful but it's rude he could have checked her and said hey you know what that's grandpa's money let's if, if, or yeah or grandpa or whatever he is to her it's money let him decide if he were here he's not here right now so i think we all should pay for ourselves boom got her everybody was on board but he spoke up and said something disrespectful to his aunt talk about your husband's money you mean to tell me you couldn't spare some like that was a little too far i love that he spoke up 
but I feel like he just went too too far in his uh in the words that he used. That's exactly how I feel, Jeremy. They're both apples, both of them. Now, to me, the aunt is the bigger apple because who in the world in their right mind would take money from somebody who's in the hospital sick, who did not designate that money for you, at least did not tell you, hey, go to, go to lunch on me without asking? Who would do that? Only an apple. She's definitely an apple. But when he went to the, your husband's money or are things that bad? Jeremy, completely Brandon. and totally unnecessary. There was no reason for that. <laughs> but you, Brandon, how far did he have to be pushed? Like it, it yeah. was, it's very clear this wasn't the first go round. Like if I was sitting in the room, it's very clear this wasn't one time that she had been presumptuous or been stingy. This is something that has been eating away at him, and then man, bro, just had enough. That was it. That my, was the my question is, on top. My question is, how long has this been eating at him? He's only eighteen. How many of these dealings has he had with his aunt? Especially when you add in the fact that his father was present. His hold father up, you, was present. And hold up, and hold up. Oh, yeah, by the way, that's huge. That is huge that his father was present. Now, granted, he's 18, but they always say stay out of grown pe- uh, people's conversations. But I will also say, yeah, how many has he had? He's only 18. Brandon, if his parents feel the same way and the entire family feel the same way, he done heard story after story after story. But where did where did we get that the family felt the same way? Because him be I, I don't know. The fact that he's I feel like eight, you're jumping to conclusions there. The family well, and... Well, you said how many times, Brandon, he's 18 years old. There's no way in the world that he got this uh, whole viewpoint by himself and kept it by himself without ever, you know what I mean? Like he's saying it's so strong. I hear what you're saying. It's like he has people backing him. I hear what you're saying, but I think that's a little bit presumptuous, especially since if people were backing him, how come no one else said anything? It said that everybody was embarrassed. That's right, because because those people clearly are passive and let things go by. Like him speaking up, Seemed almost as if he had everybody's blessing, like everybody else felt the same way. Now, they didn't know he was going to come that strong. I feel like it's a huge jump, Jeremy. There's nothing to support feeling saying that he had everybody's support because there are other people there, but he never mentions that anybody thanked him for what he said and never mentions that somebody joined in with what he said. It doesn't say that anybody else corroborated you know, you, what he said. Do, do you know what it kind of feels like, Brandon? It feels like John Wilkes Booth. That's who it feels like. The South was mad around that time at Abraham Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth and them all, they, they had, a, I don't know, a squad who all felt the same way. But then John Wilkes Booth decides to do something and thinks he's a couple way hero. And everybody's like, oh, ooh, ooh, that's too far. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> that's what it feels we like. Gonna, we know you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. This kid was in cahoots with everybody because everybody felt like she was stingy and takes advantage of people. So he was like, no, nah, I'm not having it no more. And then when he did that, ooh, ooh, a little too far, you know, that's. Uh, uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not te- I'm not telling you it's impossible. I, I feel like that's a that's a reasonable conclusion to draw. But I just don't think you have any evidence to draw that from. I feel like it's a big jump just based on the information we have here. But to me, the fact that his father was there and he decided to speak up. Now, we don't know if this aunt is his father's sister, because to me, that changes it. If it's his father's sister, as opposed to his mother's sister. Because if his father's there and he de- and it's his sister and he doesn't speak up, that make that to me is a little bit worse than if it's his wife's sister. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then he might feel, and then also doesn't say whose gra- whose father it was. Is it his father's father who was there, or was it this woman's father? Like to me, it gets it gets a little murky. But no matter what, she ain't had no business going in somebody else's pocket to pay for her meal, no matter how she thinks they would feel, especially with other people present. And he had no business. Taking it to the level he took it to because he went all the way. 
Oh no, he came with it. If you don't do it, do it, do it big. If you'll come with it, you better really come with it. I mean, this was no layup. This was a dunk. Two hands, posterized on her, and he got and, her. And he better make sure he never needs nothing from her in his life. <laughs> Ever his again. Life. No kidneys, no transplants, no nothing. I mean, but according to him, ain't like she finna give him nothing no way, so. Uh, not, not the way he was talking. But all right, that's how the RBK feels. We feel like they were both the apple. Both of them were apples. What do you think? Let us know. Get at your boys. You know how to do it. Mostly on Twitter, sometimes on Instagram, Facebook. You can holler at us any way you would like to. Just let your boys know. Rap me, boys! More than 100 schools available from Home Field Apparel. If you like comfortable clothes, check them out. They are a partner with the Raspy Voice Kids and the 1012 Network. Use our code RASPY12, R-A-S-P-Y-12, for a discount on your first order. 15%. Go get it. Tell them we sent you. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan A. Bear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two... Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well, at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. I've got five on it. Five more questions for the RBK. I'm here, JN Phoenix. I'm here with my brother, Brandon Phoenix, aka I also hate Pitt. We finna get these questions from Jordan Ty Curry and we finna answer them. Let us have them. And we're back with another edition of I Got Five on It with the Raspy Voice Kids. I'm your host, Jordan, and let's get things started with the first blank. We learned blank from the spring game. Listen to me closely when I say we learned nothing. Nada, nothing from the spring game. It's good on good in some situations, not even all situations. It's really hard to tell whether or not your receivers are good or your corners are bad. Your offensive line is good or your D-line is bad or vice versa or whatever. It's really hard to tell. And most importantly, the QB1 that everybody expects to start, JT Daniels, didn't even see the field. He wasn't on the roster. He just transferred in and just made it official. We learned nothing from the spring game, which is not a surprise because nobody learns anything unless you have some crazy freshman or some crazy transfer who comes out and does something amazing, which did not happen in the Golden Blue game. I disagree with you. We learned the plan of attack. 
Now we know um, offensive coordinator come over for USC, uh, Harold. Uh, we knew his style of offense was throw the ball, but we actually got to see it. Now, granted, they didn't show everything, but we saw that up-tempo, that wide-open throwing the ball. Now, as for individual players, I agree with you. We learned nothing. But as for what we can expect to see from our offense, I did think it gave us a little insight of the high tempo, a little bit more high octane, spread the field, throw more vertically. And I thought we saw that, and that's what I learned, even though you ain't learned nothing. No, I mean, Graham Harrell did exactly what he always does, but they purposely kept the vanilla. It it was a Graham Harrell offense. It wasn't any surprises for me. Number two, West Virginia having zero players selected in the draft is blank. Telling. It tells you all you need to know about the Neil Brown era, or at the very minimum, the post-Dana Holgerson era. It is telling of the fact that we have not we have not recruited, we have not retained, and we have not developed real talent in Morgantown since Neil Brown got here. Now, these are still Holgerson's recruits, most of them, that would have been going in the draft this past, this most recent draft. But that said, you couldn't get anyone drafted? Nobody? No dogs, no athletes, no nothing. It's telling, Jeremy. I agree. I agree with you 100%. It is telling, but I don't think it has anything to do with Neil Brown. Three years in, um, tells me that it's about the old regime. And this shows you, it was telling about how bare Holgerson really left the cupboard, Brandon. This was all about Holgerson. And I know we're done with Holgerson, but this was like the end part. Because like I said, it's been three years. For nobody to have been drafted shows you that there was no talent on this team. And I even thought about, well, maybe because the NIL people. No, the guys who have transferred, um, all them guys didn't get drafted anyway. Some of them aren't eligible because they're too young. Uh, And then the other guys who may be eligible, they didn't get drafted either. So this is more telling about Holgerson and how empty he really left the cupboard. Did I respond, or are we going to just talk about it in going in? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead if you got something. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But how many transfers have we lost, Jeremy? More than 20 players, right? Yeah, but what years? How how many guys did he bring in? The answer is nobody. Nobody who could make an impact. Nobody could see the next level. He lost a ton of players, Jeremy, and couldn't bring anyone in to do the same thing. So I'm sorry, but in this new era where transfer portals are a real thing, he didn't make the best use of it. Dana yeah, Holmes yeah, did. But, but hold up, but hold up. You say he didn't use, have the best use of it, which I guess I guess you're right because now you can have a junior from another school transfer over, wreak havoc, and go to the NFL. So I guess he did. I guess he did have some time to bring in those those JUCO or uh, those those uh, grad transfers like Holgerson did. So maybe maybe you're right a little bit. Number three, I found the draft to be blank, boring. There were no banner names. No quarterback went until number 20. And even he has tiny hands and we're not sure about his future in the NFL. It was so boring to me. There was no marquee. And especially when you add in the fact that there were no Mountaineers taken, it makes it extra boring. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't a good draft. I'm not saying it wasn't a deep draft. I'm not saying that these aren't impact players. Because certainly there are those guys. There were those guys in this draft. It was just boring. When you don't have the names when you don't have the quarterbacks, when you don't have the stars, it leaves it kind of dull. I hear what you're saying, and I think that for the common fan, it was boring. Me being a sports nerd, I thought it was tremendous. I mean, I know everybody else is going to say boring, but I enjoyed it. I think that you have 
Pro Bowl Hall of Fame players that were selected, and there were a lot of them. The safety that Pittsburgh got from Notre Dame, can't remember his name right now. Uh, the uh, corner. Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton. I think he is an Eric Berry type uh, of safety. He's going to be there. He's like I said, he's a Pro Bowl, uh, excuse me, Hall of Fame type type Eric safety. Berry's a, Eric Berry's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he been hurt, Brandon. He got hurt over and over again. Talent wise, Brandon, I, I, at his peak, he was phenomenal. He just couldn't stay healthy. I will say at corner, I don't know if I've ever seen a better pure corner, man on man corner than sauce sauce uh than sauce from cincinnati i don't think I, i've ever ever, ever ever seen it and he went number four number three sauce stingley Gardner. jr stingley jr he reminds me a lot of darrell revis and his physicality and the way he guards you can say i'm crazy i watch the film because i'm a sports nerd and i'm a loser okay <laughs> these defensive ends coming off the board these guys are pro bowl players. Matter of fact, we go, we go so far where Jordan Davis gets picked at like number 12. He's a defensive tackle. Yes. He can't stay on the field, but he's more of like a Tony Saragusa. Like the, there are players that you are going to remember for a long time. I think this is one of those drafts 10 years from now, they're going to be talking about how incredible it was. Now, no, it wasn't stocked with a bunch of quarterbacks. No, it didn't have a whole lot of running backs, first round running backs, but yes, there was so much talent on the defensive side of the ball. At tight end, at offensive line, it was an incredible draft. Think about it. It wasn't after the first round, going into the second day of picks, the second round, Nicole Dean, who was probably the best defensive player at linebacker, was still on the board. A Joby from Michigan. If you've watched him, he's, incre- he's incredible off the corner. Kind of reminds me of Bruce Irvin. Now, injuries kind of uh, riddled him a little bit. Um, Brees Hall. The, about great- the, the kid from Michigan had a, a ruptured Achilles. I know, I know, but I'm just saying there was all kind of tales still left on the board coming into day two. I thought it was actually a really good draft, even though there weren't the highlight spots, the um, quarterback and running back. But everywhere else, I thought this was a great draft. Number four, Jalen Bridges' interview with the final forecast was blank. Concerning. If the things that Jalen Bridges are say- is saying are true, for example, that there weren't grad assistants to work with him and that he can have that at Baylor, we have a problem, Jeremy. Why don't we have grad assistants that can work out with each player like Jalen Bridges is saying Baylor has? What does Baylor have that we don't? Do they really have that much more money than us? Do they have that much more of a budget? Or is this just a lack of allocation on Hugs' part? When he complained about the offense, misuse, he's not the first player to say that. He's not the first player to complain. He complained about long practices. And yes, we can sit here and call him soft. And I, I, we can sit here complain about his work ethic or his toughness or his lack of treadmill mentality. But he's not the only player who's complained about these things. And if these players today are soft, you've got to figure out how to cater to them because those players are the ones that are winning. I'm sorry, but that's the facts. And if Jalen Bridges was really that soft, Scott Drew wouldn't want him in Waco. But he does. And he got him. This is a very concerning interview because it puts you in the mind of young, talented athletes who clearly are less interested in playing for Bobby Huggins than ever before. And I don't know what it has to change. Um, and of course, we've got some transfers that Huggins was able to convince some kids to come, to come to WVU, but getting them to stay is a big difference and getting them to perform is even more important. So it's a very concerning interview from my perspective. I thought it was an important interview. Sometimes when kids leave, you don't hear anything. Um, they just let them go. I think it's important sometimes to hear the whys. 
Sometimes that's left, you know, wrapped up. Sometimes we probably need to hear it. And sometimes we don't need to hear it. But there are occasions like this one for me, I found it important because I feel like that's a little look inside of what may be going on. What can I do to fix it? I don't know. But clearly we have a whole lot of people who keep transferring out and you could go through all the names. You could go through the sheep boys. You could go through the beetle boulders. You could go through. But to finally get a little insight of why, why are all these kids leaving? Is it just NIL? And it didn't feel like that hearing Jalen Bridges interview. So for me, I thought, hey, hats off to the final forecast for getting that, for uh, bringing it out. There's some good dudes. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, the information coming out. Now here, let's, let's be real. There's two sides to every story. We, we heard the whole Shibway Huggins thing, and there's a lot of set back and forth between both and people taking sides. And a lot of times you don't even really know what's true. So with Jalen Bridges, who knows how accurate everything he said was. I'm not saying it wasn't accurate, but I'm also not saying he was because I wasn't there. But sometimes it's good to hear both sides of the story. I just thought it was important for Mountaineer fans to be able to hear so they can make their own decision. But yeah, that's my word. Important. Number five, Dave Chappelle getting rushed on stage at one of his shows was blank. Overdue. I mean, you want to talk about people who were due for this. There's so many activists in so many different communities who are upset with Dave Chappelle for the way he talks about lots of different issues that this is overdue. It's not a surprise that it happened. I'm surprised it took this long. I also don't really care, to be honest. There's really not much video of it, very little video of it. Typically, you would have all kinds of angles, all kinds of conversation about it. But because there's the no cell phone policy at his concerts, at least at this venue, we didn't get to see what really happened. But it's overdue. It's overdue. You saw what Will Smith did to Chris Rock. Lots of people want to do that to Dave Chappelle. So it's overdue. Uh, I was going to say when keeping it real goes wrong, you know, if you saw what happened to that man after, uh, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he saw it working out that way. This wasn't Chris Rock getting smacked. This was Dave Chappelle. And, and I don't know if the pictures are, are accurate, the ones I've seen, but the dude looked like he got, handled by by security absolutely handled but there's a bad precedent being set set with with will smith going on stage i'm not putting on will smith i'm just saying when you're part of a venue you cannot go up on stage or go on to the court to where the talent is ever and we're starting to see it more and more people deciding they're just going to take things in their own hands which is obviously going to lead to more security uh more restrictions but I think it's dangerous and this can't, I mean, it can't be allowed for somebody to be able to affect whether it's an actor, whether it's a comedian, whether it's a sport, a sports player, an athlete, you cannot go up on to into their area. That's just, that's just b- bananas. And it, it, they have to figure out a way to put a stop to it right now before it gets real crazy. Well, there you have it. Five questions, five long winded answers. Me and Brandon rocking it. We gonna go in next segment. Stay with us, Jay. Let's go. Rap right, me, boys. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. And I'ma go hard. And I'ma go hard. And I'ma go hard. We going in. Man, it feels so good to be back in the booth. Interviews last week, which was good. Very, very good. But we're back in the booth. We're back on in the saddle. Who is we? The RVK. Jeremy Nicholas Phoenix. I'm here with the CEO 
of the Raspberry Boy skins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also hate Pit. Say, say what's up, son. What up? What up? All right, Brady. Real sorry. We gonna start with Jalen Bridges, man. Final forecast. He had some things, some light to be shed uh, from his perspective or his opinion of the reason why he took off to Baylor. You want to fill us in a little bit about what he said and how you feel about it? I'm going to be real. I didn't listen to the interview. I just got cliff notes from multiple people on what happened during the interview. I also yeah. listened. And, by, and at- by the way, and by the way, that's why I kept throwing it to you. Cause I, I didn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Either. And also Kevin Jones talked about it. John flowers talked about it. They talked about the interview and they talked about how they felt about the interview. One of the things they said, which I think is important. Kevin Jones says you can love West Virginia. You can love Bob Huggins and still be objective. So I think that's one. Hold up. Say that again louder for the people in the back. You can love West Virginia. You can love Bobby Huggins and still be objective. And I think there are a lot of people who miss that part of these conversations, which is just because you say something critical of Huggins doesn't mean that you don't have love or respect for him. It doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't be the coach of WVU. It just means that he's not perfect. And I feel like Jalen Bridges brought up some very important things. One of the things he said was that Huggins, he had a sit-down inter- and exit interview with Bob Huggins that Bob Huggins stood him up for, didn't come to. Now, that's one of those things where you can say maybe there's miscommunication. Um, and, but, but obviously, Jalen Bridges didn't feel that way. Um, and maybe Huggins felt like, what's the point? You already made your decision, so what am I talking to you about, right? But what I think is important is you've got men who are in their 60s. Huggins is close to 70. Who are trying to get kids who are 17, 16, 17, 18 years old to come to West Virginia University to play basketball for four years. And it's hard to do when you don't have a connection to them. And I'm not saying it's impossible, and I'm not saying there, it's not, it can't be done. Mike Krzyzewski did it at Duke. Uh, Roy Williams did it at UNC forever. So it's possible. It's just not everybody's as savvy at it as others. And there are some people who get stuck in their ways as they age. And for a lot of people, it sounds like that's where Huggins is. I said this months ago. I believe that Bobby Huggins will be forced out. I don't think he will leave of his own accord from WVU. He wants to bring a national championship to the great state of West Virginia, which I admire. and love. But if he's not able to do that, I don't think he retires on his own terms. I really don't think so. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But, well, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think the tough thing about what Jalen Bridges said is, this is what we're starting to hear. Now, it's not exactly apples to apples to everything that you hear from people exiting. But when you start hearing the same type of vibe, I guess the word is about the culture around West Virginia basketball. Exactly. It's a lot of, if it's one person, it's one thing. Another person, maybe he's lazy. Maybe he has a, when it starts to accumulate where there's multiple people saying the same thing and and all type of talent leaving. It's uh, it, it makes it a bigger deal, and it makes it more of a hey. Let's let's take another look as to what's really going on right now. When it's high level recruits, too, Jeremy, because of the name of the game, this is not the old days where you can build, get two and three stars, build them up, and win a national championship. If you build a three star up, he's transferring or he's going pro. Ask Deuce McBride. These are not the old days where you can get the young guys who just want to build themselves into into power five players. And win titles. It just doesn't work that way anymore because of the rules around transferring, because of NIL deals, because people realize their talent and they can go pro now. It's not the same. And the G League being there, that's another thing. So when you have a four-star like Jalen Bridges from Fairmont, when you have a five-star in Oscar Shibwe, 
who are saying the same thing. Basically, they don't like the way they're talked to because that's one of the things Jalen Bridges said. He was yelled at but was not given explanations on how to get better or how to improve. When you keep hearing that kind of thing where the culture, like you said, it doesn't sound like it's fitting the same culture these young kids want, these talented kids want, there's a problem. But I will also say, and I'm not trying to segue. I mean, we, we could. I'm just throwing this in the mix. As, as we're saying, double dutch, and we don't grab something and throw it in the mix. So you say that, and I hear what you're saying, and it obviously it's concerning. But is there something that makes you pause when you have a guy like Emmett Matthews who's been here, and then realize the grass wasn't greener, and now it's coming back to Morgantown? No, it doesn't. Because again, it's the same kind of player. That I'm talking about. Emmett Matthews is not, is not the level that Jalen Bridges or that Oscar Sheboy are. Okay, now, so, I, so, hold up, hold up. Stop right there. That was one of my questions I was going to ask you. Is this a even trade? If I said, hey, we're going to trade out Jalen Bridges uh, for Emmett Matthews, would you have taken that trade right when the season yeah, ended? Yeah, I would have. I, you would have taken, taken Emmett Matthews for Jalen Bridges? Yeah, I would have. And, I, and the reason is because I like aggressive Emmett. I've yet to see aggressive Jalen Bridges. Okay. And I, I've always liked aggressive Emmett. My problem with Emmett Matthews is he's not always aggressive. When he's aggressive, I think he's better than Jalen Bridges. His ceiling is not as high, though. His gotcha. ceiling is not as high as Jalen Bridges. And I, I'm not saying that Emmett Matthews wasn't high. He's just not as sought after as much as Jalen Bridges was. You can look at the ranking in the recruiting in the transfer portal. Um, but that's the, that's the problem. Not having guys who, like, Huggins, one of the things that's funny to me is that Huggins kept complaining all season. And this is not the first time, but this season it seemed a particular point of contention for him where he kept complaining about players not being in the gym before or after practice or on their days off. He couldn't hear the ball bouncing, and if he did, it was the old players. But Jalen Bridges said that when he was working out extra, it was with his dad instead of having graduate assistants who could work with him. And again, like I'll I'll say, is that a budget issue or is that a hugs decision? I don't know. And I was talking to a WVU reporter who also didn't know the answer to that question, said he was going to dig and try to find the answer to it. So those are the kinds of things that I think are fixable. There are things that West Virginia will never compete with. NIL deals will be one of them. We will never genuinely be as competitive as we need to be to be in the upper echelon. But to have, a grad, to have enough graduate assistance to work with players who want to work out so that their dads don't have to do it, that seems attainable to me. That seems like an oversight. Not talking to these kids, that, that is a decision that's being made by the staff. And, of course, everybody has their own opinion. But you can call, people want to call Oscar sh- soft. It obviously is not that Oscar is soft. It just, you got to put them in, you got to put people in position to win. That's your job as a coach. Put people in a position to win. Not every kid responds to, your, to the same. Amen. Amen. Not every kid responds the same way to the same kind of coaching. You got to figure that out. It's just as like a leader, that's what leaders do. It's not one size fits all. As a leader, as a head coach, as a Hall of Famer, and I'm not telling him how to do his job, but the truth is, different kids require different things, and I feel like he pressed the wrong buttons with Sheboy. And he pressed the wrong buttons with Jalen Bridges, obviously. Jalen Bridges feels like he can't make the NBA in Huggins' offense. And you want to know, you know what I feel? No, real quick. My question is, does, does Huggins have more than one button? I don't think so. Think about that right now. Does, does Huggins have more than one button? It doesn't, appear that, it doesn't appear that way. Yeah. But what, who's the last wing that Huggins put in the NBA? Is it Joe Alexander? Uh, ooh, was that Beeline or was that? 
I can't remember, but that that's a problem. Kids, kids who are coming out of high school who are four and five stars, they believe they're going to the NBA. If you can't show them a path to the NBA, that's a problem. And people are going to say, well, what about Deuce McBride? Deuce McBride was a three-star that people under-recruited and did not expect to be as talented as he was. Okay, so that give, you give God's credit for developing him. But again, that's a point guard. We're talking about wings. We're talking about bigs. And Daniel Bridges specifically said he felt like Baylor develops wings. They do. How many times have we been destroyed by their bigs, by their wings? So yep. it's just, it's an interesting thing, but it's definitely a problem. Like you said, it's, con- I said it was, did I, I said it was, tell- did I say it was telling? And I by the way, if Jalen Bridges, if Jalen Bridges starts rocking the mullet, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't have any beef with Jalen Bridges because you got to do what's best for you and your family. I'm sorry. You do. You just have to. I don't care. People get mad about this kind of thing and it's not loyal or whatever else. Somebody over Jalen Bridges could have gotten, he said out of his mouth, $500,000 worth of NIL at a different school than Baylor. But he chose Baylor because he believes that they can get him to the NBA. The bottom line the is worst, this too. The worst, thing, the worst thing that can happen to Hugs is Jalen Bridges is successful at Baylor and goes to the NBA. Because it will say, essentially, you were right. The, and, the thing, and, yeah, you were right. The thing that, that bugs me with this whole, I've seen a lot of people you know, talking about the NIL and really talking about the kids and lack of loyalty. And, you know, you've seen tweets and people fire back and forth. But I'm not even making this a question. The bottom line is this. If you're mad at what's going on in college basketball and college, college athletics, quit pointing the finger at the students, at the athletes, at the kids. It is not their fault. They have done nothing wrong. The problem is with the grown adults. The problem is with the NCAA. So everybody wants to be irritated. Hey, that's fine. You saying you're ruining college fo- uh, sports? That's fine. Quit pointing the finger at the kids because it's not their fault. It's the NCAA. It's the people who should have known better, who have sh- should have set up something years uh, in advance that didn't who just watched their money grow and grow and grow and never thought about, hey, what happens here in a few years? Exactly. They weren't ready for the transition. And instead of being prepared for the transition, they fought it tooth and nail from the last second without getting any oversight prepared. This is 100% on Mark Emmert and the NCAA. Because the rest, now, of the, people, the rest of the people are just doing what they're supposed to do. A booster is supposed to make his university better. He doesn't care about the rules. His job is to make the university better. Yep. And if Miami or USC... Or Baylor or whoever else has more of those guys than we do. We're just SOL, as they say. Yep. So um, that's not, that's not, I'm sorry. Like people are like, it's ruining sports for West Virginia. I agree. And I hate it. I hate that it's ruining sports for West Virginia. But this is the free market. This is how the free market operates, unless there's regulation, which in lots of markets in the United States and most of the Western, uh, Western world, there's very little regulation on lots of things that are big deals that are billions of dollars are being moved around. And people get Where's, mad at uh, people get mad at coaches like, oh, this coach is doing something illegal. Yes, that's the reason why you have to have people to enforce rules. Look, I know the majority of you would. There's very select few of you who wouldn't. But if you could go to work for two hours and yet claim eight hours, but only be there for two hours, would you? All you liars, the answer is yes. There is like 5% of you who really would be honest and true. The other ones would be clock in for two hours and act like they worked eight hours. You know the reason why you don't? Because there's somebody watching over, and if they find that you're doing that, you're getting fired. That's what you people, don't have. 
Hold up. That's How what you don't have at the, at, at the NCAA. You have nobody who's policing this. So it's the NCAA's fault. It's not coaches. I mean, it is coaches' fault for being doing something underhanded, but there's nobody policing it. But go ahead. Give me. Yeah. A, wh- no, I mean, it's, I mean, the FBI has coaches from the NCAA on tape recorded committing crimes regarded r- related to NCAA sports and nobody's been punished. Bill Self is still out doing his thing. And you're mad at kids for accepting money and NIL, but, you know, it's just ridiculous. Of course, the NCAA, like I said in a tweet, and most people did not get, might as well be called, um, oh, what's his name now? I can't remember. No clue. Uh, Hiccup. Named Hiccups. Uh, by the way, by the way, that was underrated. That was underrated, by the way. That was definitely they, an underrated they, tweet. The NCAA might as well be named Hiccups Dragon because they are toothless. So shout out to everybody who understood that, all three of you. But the bottom line is... Everybody who had kids, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody who had kids in the last 10 years. But yeah, so it's just, it's, it's real. Like, that's just where we are. Um, and I don't have any problem with it. Like, Jordan... So, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. You're, tra- you're, trans- you're tra- uh, transitioning right into what I was going into. Go ahead. Jordan Addison gets offered $3 million and a house in Southern California to leave Pittsburgh? I mean, Pittsburgh's a nice city. I'm not going to front. Pittsburgh is a nice city. But where would you rather live as a millionaire, as an as a twenty year old millionaire? Where would you rather live, L.A. or Pittsburgh? And by the way, that's a beautiful thing where a kid. I'm sorry. All right, maybe you guys get mad at me. That's a beautiful thing where a kid can bowl out with the Blitnikoff and doesn't have to wait two years with the possibility of hurt himself before he gets money. Yeah, ask David Ajobu uh, how he feels about having to wait for money. Achilles and drop significantly in the draft because of it. And people say, oh, and I always bring this up. Oh, well, he got drafted. So, yeah, yeah. Every pick that you uh, don't get drafted, you lose more and more money. Especially guaranteed yep. money. So don't get that twisted. People want to talk so about with- uh, Malik Willis for, for Liberty. Well, he went, and that's all that matters. He went now. No, no, that's not all that matters because going in the third round is not like going in the first round. You just lost a lot of guaranteed money. But go ahead, Brandon. No, I'm with you. So... You know, one of the things I, the thing I wanted to talk about as far as Jordan Addison, there are a lot of Mountaineer fans who are tweeting saying, why does the nation care about this circumstance, but they haven't cared when West Virginia has lost all these players to poaching? And they reference basically Jamal Day stealing players. Well, the difference is very clear to me. Neil Brown did not come out and accuse Miami or Jamal Day of anything. He didn't accuse Jamal Kirby Smart in Georgia of anything. He said, we believe there was tampering, or I can't prove it, but there is tampering. But he never said who. When you put a name on something, then it becomes a bombshell. So when Pat Narduzzi decided he was going to say, Lincoln Riley and USC tampered with Jordan Addison, and we can prove it, it became a national story because, whoa, where there's smoke, there's fire. This is a real story. This is not just innuendos or insinuations. And the other thing is this. It does matter who the participants are. So... Everybody West Virginia lost went to where? Miami? <laughs> Miami is nowhere right now. Like, Miami is building up again, but they're not USC. We, we lost. We lost. The first tampering, I believe he talked about, was Tyke Smith to Georgia. That was the first time I think I heard Neil Brown okay. talk about tampering. Ah, uh, that is big. And by the way, I was going to say. But he, did not say about, he, didn't, he didn't name any names. I was saying the Bolitnikoff Award, it makes it huge, but then Tyke was huge too. I mean. He's all American. American, so so you're right. You're right. I think I think I guess I'm gonna backtrack that and pedal it back and agree with you that it's more that uh, Narduzzi actually named names and pointed fingers, which reminds me of Seinfeld. You name names, but anyway, uh, remember that the communist episode? 
No. But no. She's, dating, she's dating the communist, and she gets some black ball from the Chinese restaurant. But anyway, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, shout out to everybody who gets that reference. Uh, so that's my thing with Jordan Addison. I don't blame the kid for making the decision, because if it was my kid, I would tell him to do the same thing. And, and, crazy and more importantly, if- from our perspective, I'm happy he's out there. I know we don't I love it. We I don't want to set up a bad precedent, but right now I don't got to, uh, I, I I don't have the time to worry about that. We play Pitt in just a few months, and I'm glad they don't have that dude on their squad catching balls against. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit under par secondary that we. Well, the, thing, the thing with the secondary, everybody's like, so and so knew they were going to lose their job. That's why they transferred. Yes, okay, great. We've got dudes. We've got athletes. Do they have experience in the West Virginia secondary? The answer is no. Do they have power five experience? There's very little power five experience coming back for West Virginia in the secondary. The thing is, I hear a lot of talking. There's a lot of excuse making. And it all matters what happens on the field, baby. I know everybody wants to come with the up or down. It doesn't matter until we get to the field. And I will say the last time we were on the field, it wasn't pretty. So I hope you guys be in. The defense wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't bad defense. I'm just saying overall, it wasn't pretty. So I hope we're all optimistic. I hope it works out in our favor. But don't be mad at me if I don't see it through, you know, glass half full eyes. Because what I just witnessed has me feel a little down. Yeah, so my only con- my concerns on with this team, since you brought up this team, is I'm worried that the offensive line won't live up to its potential, the word you hate. The secondary is young and very, very thin. Those are two major problems. Youth, inexperience. And lack of depth. Those are my two concerns for this team. And the wide receivers, again, I don't think we have any play. I don't think we have any game breakers. We have we have some guys who can be solid, but I don't see anybody who changes the game. We don't have any Jordan Addisons in our wide receiver room. So that's those are my concerns for this team. Um, but I don't blame Jordan Addison for what he's doing. I hate that the game is this way. It certainly does not work in West Virginia's favor that it's this way. Brandon, are um, they trying to are they trying to bait West Virginia fans in Vegas? With his JT Daniels and the Heisman. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a, I think it's a combination of things. I think if I think if you had um, the same offensive coordinator, if you had Jared Parker and Neil Brown calling the offense again, JT Daniels one would not be in Morgantown, and two, uh, if you did somehow get tricked into coming to Morgantown under that regime, under that offensive coordination, he would not put up the numbers they're expecting him to put up. I think they're expecting J.C. Daniels to put up numbers because it's Graham Harrell's offense and because he's got uh, he's got blue blood pedigree. And when yeah. J- and when J.C. Daniels played, he played well. He just he can't he couldn't stay on the field. The only way, Brady, if I'm going to sit here and get excited about something, uh, what's what what was the uh, coordinator for the Carolina Panthers? Joe, what that went Joe, to from LSU? Yeah. LSU. Joe Brady. Yeah. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Brady. This this is feeling so much like Joe Brady. The fact that J.T. Daniels is a Heisman race. Even at all, oh my, oh according my to Vegas, it's yeah. all because they believe in Graham Harrell. This is feeling more and more like a Joe Brady it, type it, thing. Tell me something. Tell me something. Did LSU have more players drafted that season than any time in LSU's history? Oh, no question. Okay, so do you expect anywhere near the same kind of player development on this offense or defense for that matter? Uh, the guys who get paid a lot of money, Vegas does. So, what's the no, next question? no, they don't. No, <laughs> Vegas. Is, how many draft picks? How many draft picks do you think Vegas has? I don't Vegas know draft picks, but the fact that you got somebody in the Heisman race means somebody's going to be doing something other than JT Daniels on that. I offense, don't know. So. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson won the Heisman with what? Eight wins in a season? Seven wins in a season? Yes, that's because our defense was hot garbage, but the offense was humming. 
Yeah, and how many people got drafted from that? I, I just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued. And I also feel like Graham Harold. I just don't see him staying more than two years. I'm sorry. I think it's going to, I think, he, I, you know what? And I actually, low key, low key, I don't t- think I've told anybody this. I actually think he's going to be really successful. And I also think in two years, he's going to be the head coach somewhere else. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, right now, in my opinion, it's not shaping up. He doesn't, I don't see any game, game breaker. Sam James is the only guy I can see being a game breaker. The running backs, unless, are, the running backs he, are deep but solid. Okay, I was going to say, unless they dipsy do and we just run the heck out of the ball. No, Jeremy, our running backs, who's a game breaker? On, who's going to take the ball, consistently be able to run out big chunk plays on people from our, from our running back room? Have you seen Jalen Anderson play? No, I haven't seen Jalen Anderson uh, okay. play. Okay. Have you That's watched Lynn J. Dixon? Yes, Glenn J. Dixon is not a game breaker. Have you watched him other than one spring game? (laughs) No, I'm talking about when I watched his tape from Cleveland or Clemson. Clemson. Okay. When he transferred, I looked at his tape and I thought, oh, no wonder Clemson was okay with him. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I'm not not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he's not good. I think he's a solid back. I just don't think he's a game breaker. But that's, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up here in a second. I just want to bring out one thing about the running back position. It has been devalued, obviously, in the NFL. And you saw in the NFL draft, Brees Hall didn't go to the, yeah, the best running back in the NFL draft. Uh, Brees Hall from Iowa State, who uh, always dominated us, except for last year. Actually, we, we got him. Um, anyway, the point is, they don't go to the second round now. And it makes sense because the shelf life of a running back is so short. And they're a dime a dozen, right? Yeah. I will say, <clears throat> I get that. But because of that... I don't know why all of a sudden I feel like this strong push that running backs should not get the same rookie deals that everybody else does. They shouldn't be locked in to a five-year deal or a four-year deal. Running backs, rookie running backs, deserve three-year deals as rookies. Because what NFL teams do is they take them, and when they take them, they run the heck out of them. They get every mile, every ounce out of them in those five years that they're locked in or those four years that they're locked in. And then when they're used up and the next contract comes around, they said, oh, sorry, uh, you guys don't have very long shelf lives. Yeah, we don't have very long shelf lives because you use us for, for, for 40 carries a game every single game because you knew you wasn't going to resign us. So I don't know why, Brandon. I know it's a stupid thing to get on my horse about, but. NFL running backs on their rookie deals should have a shorter rookie deal, three-year deals, because they are not receivers, they're not linemen, they're not corners, they're not safeties. Their shelf life is way shorter, and you get your use out of them, and then you cut them to the win. Yeah, that's the name of the game. I don't feel sorry for running backs. Pick a different position if you don't like it. <laughs> Pick a different position. That's the deal. Like You know what you're getting into. You can evaluate the market. Receivers are going to start to get that way, too, because, again, you don't have just a number one receiver, a number two receiver. You have several receivers on every team that can go out and get in. It's more about the system. Like, go see the Kansas City but Chiefs as an example. That's true, but they don't get hit. You know what I mean? Like, they don't, they're self they don't, they don't get hit, but you look at it. Look at the successful teams. They're not re-signing these, these receivers. Yeah. They're, they're, no. letting, they're letting Devontae and by the way, go. I, they're letting Tyreek Hill go. They're letting uh, is that, AJ is Brown. That, is that a Brandon Phoenix original? What? Is that so, or did you see that somewhere? What? About how receivers are becoming that way, too? I saw that somewhere. I saw somebody talking about that. And okay, because that's, that's the first time that's, that, 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 that has entered my consciousness. You just said it, and I thought, you know, you're 100% right. 
and it's already happening. And I just now, now that you say, I'm like, oh yeah, the value of receivers are going down. Think about how many great receivers in NFL has, and not to say that they can't change a game, but just saying they're getting better as a whole. So there's a lot more people, you know what I mean? You, you can get one anywhere. Yeah, and it used to be that way. I mean, it's that way with running backs. Running backs are a dime a dozen. They've been devalued because they're a dime a dozen. Supply and demand. Basic capitalism. That's what it is. And I'm sorry, but I don't so, feel so, bad for so them. So what position is on the rise then, Brandon? We all know this. A the corner, value is on the rise. Corner, if you've got a corner who can shut people down, that's a big deal. Two in the top five. Two in the top yeah. five. That's edge a big rushers. Deal. Edge, edge rushers. Yeah, so the make quarterbacks don't, don't have all day to throw it. And cornerbacks. Cornerbacks are eaten. Look, if you have a young kid, make sure he can move his feet, have some speed, and let him play corner, okay? Don't have him play running back. Got to have good hits, too. The other thing about running back is, if you noticed, <clears throat> I keep calling them running backs. You notice that? Yeah, not tailbacks, I, not wingbacks. I don't call them halfbacks. Halfbacks? Brandon, halfbacks are derogatory, okay? <clears throat> Everybody listen up. <laughs> the term <laughs> the term halfback is derogatory. And it's especially derogatory because you have somebody in the backfield that is literally called a full back. But you're gonna reply you're gonna refer to this other guy as a halfback. But do they have fullbacks? Do they have fullbacks in the NFL? Yes, 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 they do. Name but one. You, uh oh Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott. But you're going to refer to somebody as a halfback, but then you refer to somebody else as a fullback. I mean, what's next? The, 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 the what's most next? important the, position. Okay, you ruined the whole no, punch. Like, I, I was trying to wear. <laughs> trying to, like, now, now people are going to just say he's ridiculous. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to wind this hole up to get my punch joke. But you know what? Forget it. Everybody scratch everything I said. I'm not really offended by halfback. I was going somewhere with that. That that was going to be really funny. Brandon would not let me get there. Our time is up. We're not in studio together right now. Our time is up. And so, you know what? I'm scrapping it all. Call them halfbacks. Call them running backs. Call them whatever you feel. Nobody get on Twitter and explain what a halfback is. I was joking. I was getting to a punchline that was very funny. But it didn't happen. Didn't work out. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. That's all I got. That's all I got, Brandon. You got something else? Uh, No, I'm good. All right, that's all we got for this week, the RVK. Look, I promise you we're going to be back next week. I promise you we're going to be better than ever. Look, listen up. Get ready. This summer about to be lit. Get at us. Sports Social Podcast Network.